Welcome to Pardon the Confusion. I'm your host, Paul Arnold, and football is not back, but we have the next best thing. This Thursday, we'll get back to the NFL draft, and then Friday, and then Saturday. Praise the Lord, man. I am so excited about this. It will seem like normal, except for Mel Kuyper's hair will always look off to me. It never looks normal. That's my cheap shot of the day. Let's go to Ernest Watts. Ernest Watts, what are you looking forward to on Thursday night? Seeing how many of these mock drafts are wrong, because usually I think all of them. You're like five or six right. It's like I mean, March the Madness. Two, they all go wrong. It is, but but it you know there are actually people that are betting on the draft in lieu of anything else to bet on. Sad. There's a whole gam gambling sector that's making bets on how many tight ends are going to be picked, how many quarterbacks are going to be picked. I mean it's just. I'm sure uh, bookies everywhere are rejoicing at something to bet on. Mm. Yeah, it's something that's not marble racing. And that voice is the other co-host for tonight, David Arnold. What are you looking forward to on Thursday or Friday or Saturday? What you're saying, you're talking about some semblance of normalcy. Uh, you know, for, for some certain fans of some fan bases, this is the best night of the whole year, uh, whole football season. Browns <laughs> fans, Lions fans, uh, Bengals fans. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, which draft pick will be dressed in a tux and which one will be dressed in PJs. Uh, I, I'm betting there will be at least one of each. I'm sure most will be looking nice, but uh, okay. Yeah, well, I think I think the PJs. All right, I'm gonna give you my PJs. tips. No for one fashion. A snuggie. No, no one's no, gonna no, be no. a snuggie. Listen, I used to work in a men's clothing store, and I used to have to measure people to fit into suits and things like that. What I look for is if the suit they're wearing has a liner that's customized, not just a generic, you know, liner inside of fabric, but it's like colors of their home team, their college team, or their, it just looks super sweet when they get it custom made and the inside liner. So look for that. And the over under that is for Ernest, by the way. No, just How kidding. about a smoking jacket? You know, something like a Hugh Hefner. No, Hugh Hefner was the pajamas. They don't know but who a, Hugh Hefner is. A nice is. smoking jacket. Everybody David, oh, do you know who Hefner is? Of course. Yeah, he, was like, he was Yeah, 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 yeah. No, Dad, it's not. He was, he yeah, was the inventor of Viagra. <laughs> he's he's I, iconic forever for every, every teenage male. Believe it or not, these guys were just teenage males like two years ago. So they definitely know who, who Hugh Hefner is. Ooh, that's uh, a for tough sure. One. A nice smoking jacket. Nice smoking jacket. Ooh, Hugh Hefner. That's all right. right. So I didn't think we'd get into fashion so quickly here. So the way we're going to talk about the draft is we're going to go start round one, pick one. But before we get into that, this year is going to be different, that they're not going to be all together sweating in one room, looking nervous, being angry at their agent that they haven't been picked yet, going up and hugging the commissioner and hogging a little too long that makes it look really awkward. No, everybody's going to be at their house or somewhere else. And Ernest, do you think they'll have a hat for every team? So just in case they're picked by uh, Jacksonville, they're ready for it? My understanding is the top 10, the guys who are kind of projecting the top 10, will have like 10 groups of hats. Now I'm sure for Joe Burrow and Chase Young, they've got one hat apiece because that's. <laughs> but after that, it's it's yeah, you know, it's pure guesswork in that respect. And if someone trades down, that really creates problems. 
Right. I agree. Yes. And so the other part, David, do you enjoy seeing them sitting next to their mom or their dad and or their second cousin behind them trying to get, you know, get attention on the camera? Do you enjoy I the especially, family scene? Well, I, you know, I like it more than them sitting in the green room, which they're obviously not going to be sitting in the green room. I definitely like when, when you have, yeah, the one guy and his mom, and his dad and his brother. But I like the hugs. You know, when they get the phone call, it's a little delayed. So you get the camera shot of them getting the call, and it's a little delayed, and and you know the pick has happened, but they don't really know it, at least through the TV. And all of a sudden, you get to see them answering the call and then just getting tackled, you know, like the group tackle thing. Uh, and they're just kind of taking it right there. That's the best, right? That's the absolute best. Right. I, I miss uh, the last guy being in the We won't have it this year. The last guy in the green room. And Aaron Rodgers is the most famous case of that. But that one guy, you know, you start out with 20 guys in the back and there's one guy and, he, he, you know, they, they focus every pick, even a team that does not need that position. They put the camera on them every pick. And it's, it's like being the ugliest guy at the dance. Oh, no at least up. Uh, like Bull Bull this past year in the NBA draft um, went to the NBA draft and wasn't taken until like, the second round. Right, but he was in the crowd, wasn't he? Was was he in the green room? Hey, hey thought... we're not talking NBA here, guys. We're talking oh, okay, the right. NFL. Back to football. Back to, football. Back to football. Right. Since Ernest has brought up the number one and number two pick, just in case you've been living under a rock and you haven't dared to look in any of the sports web pages, um, number one is your Cincinnati Bengals, and number two is your Washington Redskins. And everybody, every draft pick, Projection I could see says Joe Burrow, number one, Chase Young, number two. Um, Joe Burrow got an interesting. Go ahead. Go ahead, Paul. Sorry. I was going to say that um, Chase Burrow is going to be put in a spot much like Peyton Manning was put in spot when he was uh, drafted by the Colts. And Peyton Manning was doing an ESPN interview earlier today and said, hey, you got to just learn all you can. Just get out there. I think basically he said, just get out there and wing it. Um, Ernest, do you think Joe Burrow is going to go anywhere else besides Cincinnati, and do you think he'll start game one? He'll start game one, but I don't think he's the number one pick. I would take Chase Young in a heartbeat. I think Burrow will be a mediocre quarterback. I don't think he's that much better than Andy Dalton. Well, really here's, here's the I, thing. I mean, he doesn't throw deep. He cannot throw accurately deep. Look at the receivers he had at LSU. Right. You You have to. You have to take the quarterback number one, especially when he's from your home state, even though Chase Young also went to Ohio State. Um, but the thing is with defensive linemen, uh, you get them, but they're going to, if, if they're as good as they say they are, they're going to get a massive contract. And I saw it with, uh, was it Jadavian Clowney, you know, with the Texans, unless you're really going to commit to paying a defensive lineman a ton, a ton of money, a, if you're just starting out a rebuild, that's not the guy I'm taking. I'm taking the quarterback to see if I can strike gold. Every single time you almost have to, if you're a general manager and you're a head coach, who's only going to be there, you know, two, three years, unless you produce a winner, you have to take the quarterback and hope you strike gold. So David, right? you are you to. higher on Joe Burrow than Ernest? I'm, I'm not. I think like if there was ever a textbook case for a quarterback, who's going to flame out in the NFL, it's probably the guy getting drafted by his home state team after he wins a national title in his only year as a starting quarterback his only year as a starting quarterback, he wins the Heisman and national title. And then his home state team has the number one draft pick. So they have to draft him because of the story. I mean, the Bengals front office 
cannot not take him. Right there, there would just be too much anger. Right. It's, it, Why it did Joe Burrow recipes. leave Ohio State? Do you guys know that? Why did he leave Ohio um, State? Because Urban, Urban Meyer is is a top five coach of all time, and he had Cardell Jones, JT Barrett, national title title winning quarterbacks in front of him. There, there was a, there was no room. And then, you know, once they all graduated, and might have been his time, five star Tate Martell comes in, transferring. Um, for uh, or no, he committed to Ohio State. Five-star quarterback, number one guy in the nation. Next giant man's out, comes in, and you know, says, "Oh, if you're going to transfer, you better not swing and miss." Of course, he comes in one year at Ohio State, and then he transfers out to Miami. Um, yeah, so Joe Burrow just just faced so much talent at Ohio State because Urban Meyer is the worst and the best all at the same time. And, Ernest, and he did he did not grow up an Ohio State fan. His brother and his dad played for Nebraska. He really wanted to play for Nebraska, even though he lives in Ohio. He's not an Ohio State fan. And he did not think the offense was geared towards his particular talents. Now, he did start two years at LSU, but he only had one good oh, year. Right, he did start. He did start yeah, but he was, it was kind of mediocre statistics. We brought in a new quarterback coach, who's now the quarterback coach at Carolina Panthers. Dig, dig, dig. But he doesn't – I mean, probably his most accurate passer of all time – but one-year wonders kind of worry me. If you look back the last 20 years, the only quarterback that was a one-year wonder, pick number one that succeeded for a while, was Cam Newton. Cam Newton was a one-year starter. What was, Car- was Carson Palmer? Carson Maybe. Palmer came in, played, started two years. He started two years. I, yeah. he, he's the one that I've you know, read. Yeah, so that's, sim- that's similar stats there. Yeah, there are a lot of guys who've had this one good year, Jamarcus Russell, of course, is the <laughs> case number one. And again, he's very accurate, but when you look at quarterbacks, you got to look at the receivers. And he had probably the second best receiving core next to Alabama for LSU last year. I will he say, he can't throw deep. He can't throw deep. That, that worries me in the NFL. I will say, I think we're coming to this strange mix where you've got the combination of like West Coast offense meets spread quarterback you know like like steve young would like uh flourish in today's nfl right joe burrow has this mix where he's slight he's kind of mobile he's like an andrew luck slash potentially steve youngish kind of guy who who will just have to see if he does have the arm strength and can translate dad what do you think um about joe burrow's prospects would you take tua i will say one word clutch he played in so many big games this last year, Auburn, Alabama, Georgia, and then Clemson. He was clutched time after time. I know you're talking about how the system has fit him so well, Ernest, and I know his arm strength is not quite as good as others. But think of Drew Brees. He wasn't known for his arm strength coming out. So I think Joe Burrow will be okay. But let's get to the second player, Chase Young. Before he was suspended this last year for – um, getting tickets for his girlfriend to go to the Rose Bowl the year before. Um, whoa, 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 whoa. He paid for his, he borrowed money to pay for his girlfriend's ticket to the Rose Bowl. Okay. And then I, know, I know, Ohio <laughs> State guy, I have to stand up for Ohio State guy. I'm oh, yeah. outnumbered here. Was he suspended or not, Ernest? Pay the play. He was, he was suspended. Okay, let me keep on going then. He was suspended. Okay, right. I was going to say something nice about him, but no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so Chase Young, before he was suspended, was on such a tear. 
he was the most dominant player. And Greg Madison, who used to be at Michigan defensive coordinator, defensive line coach, had that defense playing great. And he, Young, around the edge, coming around, was playing awesome. When he came back, he was a little more hesitant. He wasn't quite the same player. I think they schemed a little better for him. But I think he may have more impact right away than um, Joe Burrow will. So, David, do you agree with that? Uh, I oh yeah, without a doubt. I think he's he's definitely the number one prospect, like Ernest said. And when you're looking at those type of guys, if you have a, a Nick Bosa is, is an obvious comparison to the past couple of years. I mean, all the great Ohio State defensive linemen. If you're a team that's close to being in contention, those defensive linemen who make instant impacts really can propel you to the next level. Uh, my only thing is, if you're rebuilding a football team and you know it's going to be a three, four, five year project. That's the type of player who they're going to be getting paid probably by the time, if not before, you're actually you know, a, a Super Bowl contender. And that's that's my only hesitation with drafting an elite defensive end with a team that is as putrid as someone who has the number one overall pick. Right. So that's the, I don't think they're corner pieces for franchises – who are completely tear down rebuild, right? They're, they're, they're the elite pieces you add. Is he better than to... Burrow, David? Oh yeah, yes. He broke he broke the advanced metric system last year, like broke it. So yes. Ernest, is he too light to play and star in the NFL? No, no. I think he's better than Nick Bosa. I, I think he he and who was rookie of the year last year in the NFC? Nick Bosa. Can... I think I think he is the type that can take a whole side of the field away from you. On the defensive line, it's I gonna think be he so collapses tackle. I think he collapses tackles. It's gonna be so nice once the Urban Meyer recruits phase out of Ohio State. <laughs> I think I think two Washington, or three more years. Washington is so happy to get him. I mean, oh yeah, I think if Washington had the number one pick, they would pick him. I think half the teams in the front first round, if they had the number one pick, would take him. That's All fair. Right. All right. Well, so. Number three is your Detroit Lions with a pick, and CBS Sports claims in their mock draft that they're gonna the Dolphins are gonna move up to number three to make sure they get Tua. Now Tua has been the most controversial player in all this draft. Is he healthy or not? Even if he's healthy, he gets injured too easily. Even if he's healthy, he's too little. He can't be the Russell Wilson player. I mean, what happened to Tua, who everybody thought was the greatest thing since sliced bread, tried to talk him leaving last year? Ernest, do you think Miami's going to move up to number three, or do you think the Lions are going to pick a cornerback? I think Miami made the only team I think could move up would be New England because I've got three number three picks, which is pretty good trade value. You add that with their number one pick. If I was Detroit, I would take Isaiah Simmons who is kind of fit all back from Clemson. They're probably going to take Jeffrey Akunda, who's number one cornerback from Ohio State. But Simmons can play down defensive lineman. He can play inside-outside linebacker. He can play safety. He is that positionless defense that Matt Patricia really thrived on when he was defensive coordinator for the Patriots. Now, if I was them, I would take Simmons, but I think they're going to take uh, Akunda. I think that's who they're going to wind up with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm in the camp that you want to take that shutdown corner, um, but then again, w- with the Lions, they've had a shutdown corner 
know, Darius Slay the past couple years, and it really <laughs> hasn't made much of a difference. Uh, you're you're selling me on Simmons, and I like it a lot. Why, why would why would the Dolphins feel the need to trade up? Because they're at number five, and at number four is the Giants, and the Giants just drafted a quarterback from Duke in the first round, so they better not be giving up on him, or else that's the GM's job. Um, on the line there and the lions, I don't think are in the position to take a quarterback yet. Right. They're not ready to move on from Stafford at least for another two, three, four years. Uh, I would take, I guess I'll take a kudo, but you're selling me on Simmons. And I don't think there's really any other player that top, top level who's worth those picks. The only thing is that scares me is drafting a linebacker at, at that high of a pick. Although, but like you say, Isaiah Simmons has such versatility, right? He, he kind of reminds me of like, if Jabril, Jabril peppers had, NFL size and not just like college football size. He, he's a guy who can play every single position in offense, which is pretty unbelievable. Dave, are you um, saying size matters? Is that what you're saying? I, I'm saying, yeah, because Jerome Peppers could could be like a defensive lineman if he was six foot four, right? But he's five foot nine, five foot ten. Uh, the only I think the best pure player. At left at number three, if you're taking out Chase Young, uh, I would say is Jerry Judy, the wide receiver from Alabama. I think he's going to be the next, you know, Calvin Ridley style player. You know, Julio he, Jones. He, yeah, Julio Jones, right? He, he's only six foot one, but he's the best wide receiver to come out of this draft, hands down. I think he's the best player, like pure playmaker, game-changing let's, style Let's get back to player. Tua for a second before we move on to other players. Ernest, what is your take on Tua? Will he go in the top 10? Where do you think he's going to go? I think he'll go in top seven. Uh, my problem is the nature of the injuries. You're talking about hip injuries, and that's not as easy to repair as other parts of the body. You constantly are having issues with your hip. That's everything. That's running and throwing. Who's, I have a problem with. I have a problem the, with his thighs, and I have a problem with his arm injury. Go ahead. Who's David. who's the last last left-handed starting quarterback in the NFL to consistently play and be good? Who's not named Tim Tebow? Just out or, of curiosity. Steve Young, for that matter. Uh, uh, Steve Young's twenty years ago. I mean, legitimately twenty years ago, right? So. Yeah, yeah, the last lefty. That's a good I, question. I, I don't know. And I I think it's Tim Tebow. I think it's actually Tim Tebow. And that's something that you worries me. Good. You said good. That eliminates <laughs> Tebow. He had a good game play. So there was conspiracy out that our other co-host, Nate, wanted to propose a little bit that Saban and Belichick are best buddies and that somehow Saban would move up, maybe not to number three, but somewhere in the top ten, to get Tua. I think that's an overreach. I think the Patriots are in total rebuild mode this year. They got a perfect excuse to do it. Um, I think Tua could surprise a few people. I think he has a sense how to play, but I think he's one hit away. And if I'm an NFL team, I'm not going to take him in the top 10 or my first pick. I think he may drop further than anybody else, but everybody's convinced he'll go to Miami if Miami doesn't go for Tua, who, what other quarterback will they go with, Ernest? Justin Herbert. And I actually think Justin Herbert is a better prospect. He's got the size. He's got the arm. He has to work a little bit on touch. Uh, his reading ability, there has to be a little work there. But you remember now, he took Oregon to the uh, Rose Bowl victory over Wisconsin, a very close game. 
I think Herbert's a better long candidate. He fits the more traditional roles, 6'5", 235. He can run the ball. I think it's a better prospect. I think he is – I think there's about five good candidates could go in the first round, but I think he's going to go ball. Yeah, quarterback. I think there's five guys theoretically could go at quarterback. Tua, Herbert, um, Justin Love, uh the guy at Georgia and uh, the kid at uh, Washington. That's I think a, any of those five could go in the first round. Oh, Jacob from Jacob from. Okay, here's what I'm thinking. I think you fell in love with the the prospect label that Justin Herbert has because he's got he's got all of the quintessential physical Check traits. The box. He's Check six the foot box. six. Yeah, right, right, exactly. I I don't think he's that guy. Personally, well, I don't. I don't know if he can develop into that that level quarterback that you need. Uh, Jacob Fromm is. I think it's Jacob. Yeah, Jake Fromm. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he's a guy who I don't necessarily think will go in the first round, but he's the guy I see landing with the Patriots, whether it's in the second or third round, because you basically already know what you're getting with him, and he's. Going into the NFL, already reliable, can obviously read the field. I would say probably better than anyone else in college football based on what he's shown. He, he has the lack of physical traits that make him unappealing to NFL scouts, <laughs> but he, he has all the mental traits to make him super appealing as a starter from early on. And that kind of reminds me of another guy who used to play quarterback um, in New England, and I can't quite remember his name. I think he lives in Florida now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, wouldn't, you, place. wouldn't you say Jacob Eason kind of fits that from Washington? I think Jacob Eason is the opposite. Jacob Eason is the guy who failed at Georgia because he wasn't smart enough to read the field. He's got all the physical traits as well. But as, well, let's as look, Herbert, right? yeah, who else failed? Would you say Justin Fields failed because he transferred out to Ohio think, State? Uh, I think college football is different than pro. I think Jacob, but Jason, Jacob Eason wasn't now, even really that yeah, great at Washington. Yeah, yeah, but remember that quarterback you were talking about down in Florida? Didn't exactly start for three years at Michigan either. He had to share the spot. Yeah, so well, it's I'm, kind of, it's well, kind of hard saying, to equate, you know, competition in college as opposed to the pros. I Okay, but here's the thing. The things knocking Jake from, from being an elite prospect are the same things that knocked Tom Brady is what I was saying. You know, Jacob Eason, like you said, he's six foot six. He, he's got the strongest arm in the draft, but he was a five-star prospect, number one prospect coming out of high school, uh, going into college. And then he struggled at Georgia, transferred to Washington, and always kind of struggled at Washington. He was always on the edge of being in a quarterback controversy, which sounds like Tom Brady, I guess. But but Tom Brady really showed it in his last half a year in college that he was a great leader, could see the field. We didn't have the physical traits. Jake Fromm, I think, is similar in that sense. Maybe I don't. I'm. I think it's crazy he left as a junior, but uh, maybe he's ready. Who knows? I just see him with the Patriots. That's my prediction. All right. He, he probably of the five quarterbacks, he has the best leadership skills. He probably has the least physical skills. Mm-hmm. I get and, that. and we're throwing out Justin Love also uh, from Utah State. That's the fifth candidate. He, he's the Patrick Mahomes. Like, uh, he's he's ticket, the best. Right? He's the biggest. Bust, I do believe he's a lot. He's the lot. I got someone's gonna fall. John Gruden's gonna fall in love with him. All right, guys. Yeah. Let's put on your GM hats for a second. All right. The age-old debate, I think, for GMs is: Do I draft talent or need? 
because you and you want to do both, right? If you have a high draft pick in round one, you can do both. But once you get past round one, it's a crapshoot. And you're thinking, do I get the most talented guy or do I get what positions I need? And uh, Belichick has done a great job over the years of picking guys and coaching them up because very few all-pro players come from New England. And a lot of people think that's just a tribute to Belichick, but also it could be a tribute to Brady that he can play with other people not as good as he is. So, uh, David Arnold, if you're a GM after the first round, are you doing need or talent? Pure talent. Every, Every pick that's not a quarterback is a talent pick. Talent, talent, talent. Quarterback's a little bit different because uh, uh, talent is like physical versus like actual mental. But but talent all the way. You you want the wide receiver with the best physicals. You want the linebacker with the best physicals. You want the corner with the best physicals. You want the defensive line with the best physicals because every contract is a year-to-year contract in the NFL. Nothing's really guaranteed. If you draft a kid who comes in, he's better than the person who you thought you didn't have have a need because of him, you just cut that guy. You save money, Uh, talent all the way. Ernest, Ernest, what do you think? I go with talent the first three rounds. After the third round, you start fitting needs because then the the delineation, the talent level is so close together. I think you can start trying to fill holes, particularly backup holes. If there are certain positions you feel like you don't have adequate backups in, that's what you try and pick because, again, the percentage of guys who will make the squad after the third round the numbers go down quite a bit. And and for your next question, Paul, you know, this is the great thing about the draft is that all of us personally, we're not going to play in the league. We're not going to coach in the league. We're not going to officiate. But at a certain level, we all think we could be scouts. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I get it. That's the ESPN effect. We've been watching it so long and seeing people try, and it's been – sort of as a myth, you know, or a legend. You see the old tapes and enjoy that as well. And you see how people swing and miss so hugely on draft picks that it makes it really interesting. Um, with the draft coming up, Ernest, what team do you think does the best job year in and year out? And you might say the Patriots, but surprise me. Wow. You took away the Patriots. That's bad. Uh, <laughs> looking back at some of the picks, it's interesting. I looked at last year's draft, and all the great wide receivers came in like second round. There's so many that first round busted. It seemed like the third round, you really got your value. But you got to look at the teams that surprisingly that Minnesota, I thought, did a pretty good job last year. 49ers have done good, and I think the Titans. Those I looked at last year's draft, and the Vikings, the Titans, and the 49ers probably did the best job overall depth. And I'm not looking just to the number one. I look from one to seven. And in my reviewing, that's – and again, the thing that surprised me were the big positions, the ones that, that we all thought that everybody, you know, you had to get a first-rounder in. It was It was the second or third. I mean, the best wide receiver last year, Washington picked up, probably in the third round when they got uh, McLaurin and the Titans picked up uh, A.J. Brown again in the second round and Metcalf for the Seattle's another team that did real well. They got D.J. Metcalf in the third round, I think. So we all put so much concentration in the, the first 10 picks 
and it's the second and third round, that's that's the teams that con- consistently win. And that's certainly yeah. New England. That's certainly New England. Can you name a number one draft pick in New England in the last 10 years No. that, that became a superstar? Uh, Sony Michel's played all right, but I don't think he's been a superstar. One thing we haven't talked about yet, and I meant to follow it up between talent and need, is the character of the person. You know, we know the famous quarterback test, what is it called, Ernest? The, uh, not the Heimlich. Wonderlich. That's the, the Wonderlich. Wonderlich, yeah. yeah. So, you know, Players go down in draft pick because they're afraid they're going to just uh, implode or as a person. You know, I can't remember the guy out in uh, San Francisco is their great wide receiver who's awesome, and a lot of people passed on him because they were worried. Crabtree. What's Michael that? Crabtree. Michael Crabtree. No, no, more recent. Played on the team last what? year. Um, Samuel. Yeah, Samuel. And so what I'm saying is, David, you know how much do the GMs worry about character these days. Are they still worried about that? Well, I first off, can I say that I think the Steelers are a prime example of a, a team that always drafts well, uh, especially if you look at TJ Watt and Devin Bush. It seems like they're always consistently drafting solid players who just fill you know fill in and plug, uh, similar to the Patriots. Character matters for certain positions i would say i think you know if, if you're drafting an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman or a quarterback i'm i'm caring more about their personality traits and their off-field drama than i am if they're a skill position player and that sounds very like 1990s to me you know i think of i think of the cowboys and michael irvin etc cetera, etc cetera. but i think to a certain extent it's true i i'm signing Antonio Brown for those first five years of production. I don't care how crazy he is, you know, um, who, you know, does Bryant have a lot of quote unquote off field issues that stemmed just being from a low socioeconomic, uh, stature when he was growing up. And I, I think a lot of it, you know, football is the ultimate meal ticket for people who grow up, um, in poverty. So, so I think a lot of the quote unquote red flags are really not red flags as much as they are, Hey, look, this person has not come from money. They need help managing their finances, managing their structure once they leave the college setting. Because places like, you know, like Alabama and Texas A&M, and this is famous for Johnny Manziel, who was so – he was a rich kid, but he had no structure. And when he got to Texas A&M, it helped him because he had structure for the first time in his life. It helped him thrive. As soon as he got drafted and went to Cleveland, zero structure. You know, but then you see people like Tyrone Matthew, who came from nothing, came from less than nothing. He had major issues with police, all the red flags in the world. Arizona drafted him, uh, and they said, "Hey, we're going to pair you up with your your former college teammate. Was it Patrick Peterson? Patterson, I think it was. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. And he, Matthew, literally lived with him. You know, for the first two years of his NFL career, he didn't even play football the first year." because they just wanted him to focus on his issues, his troubles. And he became a Super Bowl winning leader for the Kansas City Chiefs this past year. Uh, so I think a lot of the red flags can be, for me, chalked off to, hey, this person has never lived a life that is that that has all this money and fame, and they need help adapting. And the NFL was really slow compared to a lot of other leagues, I think, in, in realizing that lesson and learning those lessons. But I think if done right, teams really do not have to worry about the red flags. Uh, that's my long-winded answer right there. Ernest is still with us, I think, right? Ernest? Yes, yes. It depends on 
what you mean by character issues. I mean, because the, the, usually that's a euphemism for drug use. And I guess the most famous case that we know about was Laramie Tunstall, when the Dolphins, <laughs> you know, who posted a selfie with him wearing a gas mask with smoke from marijuana in it, and that dropped him about 10 slots. I need someone to, someone to be drafted with a gas mask on as a joke. Uh, again. Well, the, the, the candidate this year, the one you hear this year about character issues is probably the best offensive lineman. That's Makai Benton from Louisville, who's like 6'9", 370, and, and, and great mobility. And he's failed several drug tests. So it, it's interesting. We kind of lump in the drug tests with, with uh, arrests, with, uh, again, violence against women, petty theft. And that's a big, big cloud to put things up. And you've got to look at the individual case, what kind of structure, like David said, what structure they were at in college, what, what kind. Most all of the pro teams now have psychiatric support staff to be able to help you in these situations. But you're still talking about adults, and there's limits to what you can do. I think if the physical talent's there, they're going to take a risk lower down in the draft. Uh, we had a defensive lineman with the Panthers who was arrested for abusing uh, his girlfriend, and even though he was all pro, they cut him, and the Cowboys picked him up, and now he's an MMA fighter of some respect. So I think those guys with big, bad things tend to drop down, but they're going to get drafted or they're going to get signed free agent contracts. But again, you got to look at what you mean by character issues. Well, Becton is 6'7", 364. Man, that's pretty intimidating. Um, when I asked you guys about which teams have been known for drafting, uh, nobody really mentioned the Cowboys, although you did mention David Des Bryant. And it gets me to the point of, you know, 10 years ago, you did not have this many free agents, uh, mid-season season trades. The NFL was not about that at all. It was draft, and that was pretty much it. And then the last four years, you're seeing free agents a lot more. Ernest, what is that attributed to? What's changed? Why are we seeing a lot more movement within the NFL? Salary cap. Because of salary cap, you've got to be able to Salary cap is like the little Dutch boy. You've got to, you know, you got so much money, so you can only plug up so many leaks. And the cheapest way to get the most talent is to draft, and particular guys in the lower than the third round. You can get cheap talent. It may not be the best talent, but you can fill slots and leave money because the salary cap we're seeing is getting higher and higher for quarterbacks. Because if you do take, uh, you know, if you take probably you're going to be every quarterback gets signed gets the highest contract and that takes a larger percentage of your salary cap and the cap's probably going to go down because revenue is going to go down with everything else is going on so you try to fill in the gaps the backups with with uh with draft picks so i still think draft picks are the way teams are i mean how many free agents other than randy moss to the patriots sign they picked up some bargain deals but mostly the talent he got, he drafted, he picked up by other than free agency. Well, they got free agency sounds nice, yeah. But the team that always won free agency in March was the Washington Redskins, and let's look at their record for the last twenty years. Yeah, not so good. It just that you know, like the Raiders have the tradition of always grabbing veterans who've had attitude issues. You know, tough guys to bring them in, and that hasn't 
worked so well for them. Um, so let's get around to some of our favorite teams because the mock drafts go all over the map. Once you get past five or six top picks, then it's crazy. You don't know who's going next. So Ernest, your favorite player in all the world, forever and ever, Luke Keekly retired. So what are the Panthers going to do? What do you want them to do? Well, if Simmons dropped, I'd pick him in a heartbeat. And if Akuda dropped, I'd pick him in a heartbeat. But probably most likely, and I'd be very happy because I consider him a top four talent. I like Derek Brown, defensive tackle at Auburn. I got a chance to see him play quite a bit. He uh, he reminds me of Sua. I mean, he's he's been able to bring pressure on the quarterback. He also is a great run stopper. He can play anywhere in the interior line. And we were burnt in the interior line last year. We tried to sign a bunch of superstars and Poe and some of the other guys, and we got ran up and down. So we have to strengthen the interior defensive line. So I would like I said, I'd like I think Simmons could could replace Luke. Right now we've got the middle linebacker from the Raiders, who the middle linebacker. And I think we have never had Chris Gamble was the last number one corner we've had from Ohio State. That was 10 years ago. So Derek Brown, any of those three, most likely it's going to be Brown. Simmons drops, I jump on him. If, if Acuna drops, and I don't think either one of those will, I'll stick with Derek Brown. All right. And David has sort of become a half Lions fan, half Browns fan after you went to see the Browns last year, and they won that game, right, David? Uh I'm having trouble. Remembering. It was against the Bills. <laughs> they yes, won. they did. They did. Yeah, they yeah. Were, they did. It was very back and forth at the end. And there were more half as many Bills fans as there were Browns fans at that point of the season because they were close to making the the playoffs. Yes, as as someone who's in the little Browns base, all my friends are Browns fans. I I, I enjoy watching them struggle as much as the Lions. I would say. Um, this is the extent of my family. That's right. That's right. they better stay bad too because I need something to tease my friends about when they're all, all Ohio State fans. The Browns, I don't necessarily know beyond beyond uh, offensive line um, and and defense is really what they're looking at. But there's a ton of smoke coming out, and, and one of my best friends, his dad is the sports director for the local Fox affiliate in Cleveland. Um, there's so much Breaking smoke. News. Dun, 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 dun. So much smoke. Don't know about is this the Vikings. Is this the Vikings so much, rumor? Yeah, about Odell going. So I'm not saying the Vikings, but that Odell Beckham Jr. Somewhere. I don't. I don't think it's Minnesota. But on draft night, Odell being traded in some capacity. Just, just look out for it. If the deal is there and they think it's a good deal, he's gone. I, you know, I would. I would not be shocked just to the Raiders or something like that. Personally, I could see John Gruden being like, Odell Beckham in Las Vegas, let's do it. And then, which would be the worst idea in the world. But Odell, if he's not in Cleveland come this upcoming Sunday, I would not be shocked. That's all. I don't think Minnesota, I think that was a pretty false rumor, but something that's leaked to try and get teams biting on the Odell stuff. What does Cleveland so. need the most though, David? Uh, they need to protect Baker's backside. So they need they need an offensive tackle is what they need more than anything else. Well, what about the Lions, Dad? What do you think? You know, talking about someone who's on their backside a lot. Matt Whoa. Stafford. Yeah. His, so um, the Lions lost two of their offensive linemen, and after they get a cornerback, and I think they'll do that because they lost Darius Slay, they traded him away. 
what you're seeing with the Lions is that um, Patricia as a coach is trying to be like a Belichick minor or a mini Belichick. He's trying to be gruff and say this is your my way or the highway. And that hasn't set well with a lot of veterans and players like Snacks Harrison uh, left the team, was let go, and he had some parting shots as he left as well. And so Patricia is trying to stack up the team with some former Patriots, and I do think they need to get offensive linemen. So this gets to a segment that I'll turn over to you guys in a little bit too. It, it's a two-for-one for one for me. I'm going to tell you what the, I want the Lions to do, and it includes one of my favorite players from my favorite college team, and that's Cesar Ruiz. Uh, he was an offensive tackle. Actually, he was a center for Michigan for three years. He came in uh, about six foot two and looked like he was terribly out of shape. Um, but he's been a great uh, player for Michigan. He's now six foot three, three oh seven. Um, CBS has him going in the first round to um, the Dolphins. I saw another mock draft. He's going to. Uh, Kansas City, I saw another draft that he's going to Cleveland. He's in big demand because I think he can play at least two positions on the line. I don't think he's that left tackle that protects the quarterback, but I think he solidifies your front line. So, Ernest, is there a combination pick that you would love, like somebody from North Carolina going to someplace you would want him to go to? Well, let me ask you, you don't think that Bredesen's not a better candidate? I mean, he's he's been pretty much picked higher at guard. This doesn't make total sense. This is my heart speaking, man. This is a, a, Wait, okay. a guy I like. I want to see this guy do well. Well, can I just say, I think Caesar Bredesen was great at Michigan, but Caesar Ruiz came in from day one and mm-hmm. started at, at center from day one, uh, and he uprooted a three-year starter to start from day one at center. His mind is there. He's going to be an early second round or late first round pick. He's the guy. I mean, honestly, Ernest, I could see him being the guy out of, out of those two. But anyways, Ernest, what's your answer? There is a kid from division two school, very close nearby here, Kyle Duggar from Lenore Ryan. And they've got him going in the second round. He was the uh, Division II College Football Player of the Year. And I am I love Division II. My son played Division II football. So I pay a lot of attention and I watch a lot of D2 games. So he's a, he's a guy that I would really like to see. There's a lot of kids you watch during the year. And, and you kind of wonder if what they do will transfer into the NFL. Uh, Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin, who was a beast, who's actually a lot faster than people think at running back. Michael Pittman Jr., who I saw play a lot at USC. K.J. Hamler at Penn State, wide receiver, who I, I am concerned about his size. Uh, DeAndre Swift at Georgia was another guy. You know, a lot of kids you get to watch play during the year, and you wonder, there's these little questions about them, whether they're going to be successful enough to make it in the NFL. And I think I, that's why... I enjoyed the second and third round because that's a lot of names you pick up. Uh, I think we're going to see a run at offensive tackles. I think that's the one that you look last year's draft and there are a lot of great tackles where you talk about Beckton, you got on Andrew Thomas from Georgia. You've got, uh, I'm trying to think some of the other guys, uh, Wills from uh, Ohio, Iowa and uh, Jerick Wills from Alabama. I think offensive linemen are the hardest to find. And I think running backs is 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 going to be something you see. And my candidate for the guy in the green room, since there won't be a green room, who'll be sitting there 
I think to the fourth and fifth round is Jalen Hurts. I just don't see him fitting as an NFL quarterback. Yeah, remember the quarterback for Nebraska? Was it Crouch or Couch? No. Eric Crouch. Eric Crouch, Crouch. he won the Heisman, and he just didn't fit anywhere. And by the way, Ernest, CBS Sports has your guy, Duger, going to Chicago. Um, All right. Um, So we're going to be watching the NFL draft, and we're going to enjoy it. And it's on NFL Network, and it's on ESPN. Is it going to be on any other channels, Ernest? I ask Ernest all these questions. ABC, ESPN, and NFL Network. Which one will we all watch? Because we all have our favorites, right? We have our favorite who we'd like to watch and not watch. Well, it only lasts to about 9 o'clock, but the old coach will be on ABC. Uh, so the, old, the, old ball the old ball coach? No, no, no. From college football. Oh, uh, Saban? No, no, no. The regular college game day. Oh, Corso. Corso will be on. Corso's entertainment value. So I'll watch Corso on ABC. The Sunshine Scooter. So you should have said that. Yeah, you know, I was going <laughs> to say. so fast, my friend. Of, yes. I mean, he'll be entertaining, but he'll go to sleep by 9 o'clock. So then I'll probably switch over. The NFL Network is a shill for all the – I mean, what? all the teams are their bosses. They're not going to say anything controversial. I mean, Mel and his hair will, will keep me uh, mesmerized till the end of the first round after 9 o'clock. But, yeah, the NFL Network just doesn't – they're not going to offend any of their bosses, and that's the 32 teams in the NFL. So you're going with ABC first. David, who are you going to go with? I prefer the NFL Network just because I ESPN is just atrocious for all things for me. Uh, ABC sounds okay. Okay, whatever, but I would choose NFL Network, especially if Rich Eisen is doing the coverage, which I'm sure he is. Um, Rich Eisen is my guy. Uh, that's all. That's all I gotta say. Uh, as a Michigan person, as a Michigan fan, he's a Michigan <laughs> guy. And also, we talk about the dream player and the dream team. Then, yeah, right. Donovan Peoples Jones, wide receiver from Michigan, yeah, who uh, the highest spark score coming out of high school, going into college, which is like the best athlete ever recorded in the Nike database. Um, he, he's going to be drafted somewhere between the third and fifth round wide receiver. Uh, I would love to see him on the Patriots. Cause you know, I really don't wish for any of my favorite players to ever end up on the lions or the Browns. <laughs> um, so, so for that reason alone, gotta get, gotta get DPJ, um, on Michigan's true NFL football team, the new England Patriots, uh, or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for that matter. Right. Well, so why has Jones dropped so far? And by the way, Ernest, CBS Sports has Jalen Hurts going in the third round, the fifteenth pick to Jacksonville. So yeah. David, wow. why has Donovanville people Jones dropped so far? You know, he's he's five foot ten. He's five foot ten. He's he's incredibly fast. Um uh, he's got a forty four and a half inch vertical. I mean, the athleticism is out of this world. I think people don't really know what he, he is necessarily because he played on the outside at Michigan, but he's even, he's smaller than Deandre Hopkins. Uh, he's the type of guy who could end up as the perfect slot receiver for an old school Tom Brady Patriots team, because he's so incredibly fast, so athletic, smaller. Um, if he can get his route running precise, because Michigan, a lot of times just threw it deep play action deep with him. Cause he was so, so, so fast. He's the kind of guy with the athleticism, though. You put him in the slot, put him maybe even in the running in the backfield, and, and just let him 
move. Mm. Just give him the ball in space. And he's he's perfect for this now NFL. Put him on the Chiefs. Actually, put DPJ <laughs> on the Chiefs. Oh, my goodness. That's a fantasy football all-star right there. Um, yeah. There you go. I, right. I think he's the same boat as KJ Hamler from Penn State. They're both at 5'10 speed. Hamler's a monster. Hamler, too. Yeah. yeah. Hamler was used more for returns. So that's the advantage that he would have. But again, the new NFL would spread offenses a few years ago. You wouldn't even consider a 5'10 wide receiver. Uh, we're, we're in the air. You're going to see a lot of this draft is going to be hey, can we draft wide receivers who are modeled after the Kansas City guys? since Kansas city won the super bowl. But the thing is no other team has homes unless you're Baltimore. Baltimore has a guy who's also insanely athletic and just opens up lanes for receivers uh, with his pure athleticism. So those are, there's going to, there's going to be a lot of picks like that. that's why Jordan love out of Utah state is really, I've seen get, him play for two. I, I know he's crazy. He's he not that good. Five receivers, he's, he wasn't his third best. He was the third best. In the Mountain West, quarterback, and it's you're, like you're right. Same, same guys about Jalen Hurts. Some people have been trying to attribute the same qualities to Jalen Hurts as as some of these mobile quarterbacks that we've been talking about, and I don't see it. Here's He's just thing. not that accurate. Ernest, you draft you draft one Kevin Garnett, and you spend the next ten years drafting Lamar Odom. <laughs> and uh, all right, there's our NBA okay. reference. Hey guys, we got to wrap before, it up. We're coming against time. Darius Miles, Miles is really the guy. Uh, and we got to give know, you guys your last two minutes yeah, here. All right, all right. So, Ready? Ernest, your last two minutes, please. All right, you may not recognize the name Dr. Bob Wackler. He's the chairman of the University of California, San Francisco Department of Medicine. But let's just talk about how sports impacts the world, it's not the playground. Dr. Wackler said the best thing that ever happened to us, even though he lives in San Francisco, was when Garofalo missed that long touchdown opportunity in the fourth quarter in the Super Bowl when they blew a lead against LSU. Because a butterfly would have flapped his wings, right? Well, not because of that. Because if there had been a victory parade in San Francisco the next day, at that time, there were already cases of COVID-19. And his fear was it would have duplicated the number of cases in California. At the same time, there was only one case in Kansas City. It wasn't the hotbed for the disease it was. He gave the example in 1918 how the Spanish flu was affected by an ill-fated decision by the city of Philadelphia to host a wartime morale. 200,000 people attended, and that was a super spreader of the Spanish flu. It actually wound up killing 5% of the population of the city of Philadelphia. Dr. Wackler talks about if Frisco had won, the 49ers had won the Super Bowl, we most likely would see more cases of COVID-19 in the San Francisco, Oakland, Alameda area. Again, sports impacts the world in ways that we don't even comprehend. Mm -hmm. David, what's your last two minutes? I... Have you talked about Wimbledon's insurance policy on this podcast at any no. point in the last two weeks, Dad? Go for it. All right. Here's a nice little tidbit. If you're on the internet, you might have already seen it. But Wimbledon has paid $2 million a year for the last 20 years for pandemic insurance. In case what? Wimbledon ever in case Wimbledon ever had to be canceled as a result of a worldwide global pandemic. $2 million a year. This year, Wimbledon is going to receive and 41 million dollars as a result of the insurance policy 
they've been paying for the last 20 years. $34 million of insurance is going to collect them $141 million from the policy. So that's, that is long-term thinking. Whoever is the CEO of Wimbledon should run the world. But that is the decision that, that really pays off. So that that's a nice little tidbit. That's all I got. I don't know. That's very nice. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Thought I'd share it. Yeah. Well, I'm, my last two minutes is that um, the draft is so much fun to watch, and I thought the NFL was going in the right path where they took it out of New York and they took it out to, I think it was Nashville last year, and they filled up a whole downtown uh, street full of crowds. And it was such a festive activity. And part of the fun is watching the fans react to, oh, that's a horrible pick. Or, How are they going to boo Roger Goodell? And this year, I mean, we're going to miss out Text on my it. favorite activity, booing Robert Goodell, and that's part of it. And I liked watching Boomer do the draft. Um and I like Eisen now. That's just the old way. And today, if you were like me, you caught a little bit of the Super Bowl between the Broncos and the Falcons. And hearing um, Madden and Summerall again was like pure magic. It was so good. And it made me feel like I was watching a video game because they did so many of the early Maddens too. So get people out there, hope that you're safe and healthy. And football is coming back, baby. So for Ernest Watts and David Arnold, this is Pardon the Confusion. Send me your emails at gobluearnold at gmail.com. And have a great night. See ya.